Hello. Welcome to True Hoop with me, Gerard Hector, and Coach David Thorpe. How are you, sir? I'm well, my friend. All is good. All is well indeed. Uh, all is not well, though, David, uh, for Team USA Basketball. Um, not only did they not go to the gold medal game, they lost the bronze game to Team Canada in overtime in a wild sequence of events that actually got them to overtime. Bridges intentionally misses his second free throw somehow, which, as a coach, I'm sure this drove you mad. How do you let the guy who shot the free throw get the rebound? Like, he got the rebound, got out to the three-point line, made an improbable three to force the game to go in overtime. But then in OT, SGA, Team Canada, Dylan Brooks, they just did their thing. And uh, Team USA had no answers for them defensively, which, if you're a smart person, you listen to True Hoop, which you should. Before this, before this tournament even began, when David saw the roster, his first thing was, yeah, we have a defensive problem. And David, it bore true in this entire tournament run. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to uh, – I don't know the reasoning for the roster selections that they made. I don't know what players they even had to choose from, which I think uh, – I, I've been very busy the last couple of days <laughs> on social media. My own personal stuff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not, not publicly. Um, get, walking people off the ledge. Like, like hey, one guy who I really like and respect made a comment, uh, wrote, wrote something on his page that, like, we have to make our players play. Like, no, we don't. Like, who, who are we? What are you talking about? Kevin Durant it, it was really enjoying the U.S. Open. He, sure he wasn't was. enjoying the seating. He's such a tall guy. His legs are all folded up on the railing in front of him. But, um... Like, we can't make anyone play. And right. this is the World Cup. And you, we talked about this. And I think we have a, a an article now coming out mm-hmm. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm quite sure that zero of these 12 guys imagined for a moment mm-hmm. when they were out hooping at 15 or 12 or whatever, mm-hmm. one day, I'm going to be the guy that helps us beat Germany in the semifinals of the World Cup. <laughs> like, what do you even call the World Cup when they were young? Yeah, right. It's World Championships. Yep. Yeah. It just isn't on our radar that way. It just isn't. And uh, and so, for whatever reason, we uh, we didn't have a, a whole lot of uh, our most talented guys to choose from, and uh, uh, we picked some defensive players, but mm-hmm. not, not enough. enough. Yeah, it's, and and just the way we needed to defend. Uh, but I but I would add this as well. The other problem, Gerard, I thought was uh, a lack of motivation to. Mm. Oh my God, I have to win this possession. Every mm-hmm. single the, the the possession you described, mm-hmm. the bridges corner three to tie the game, you could feel the urgency mm-hmm. in that play. Mm-hmm. Listen, Germany played with that urgency pretty much every possession. Canada mm-hmm. pretty much every possession. Serbia, our guys didn't mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And we can talk about that if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, the last thing I'll say on this before you chime in with more stuff is this team gave our Olympic team a real gift, a real gift. They have a reason to play with vengeance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And maybe they will. I think they probably will. Well, I think what's interesting and illustrative of that, not only do we give our Olympic team a gift, and the idea is in 2024 next summer, barring injury and whatever a team does in terms of advancing to the finals, we will have a different roster. More of the top guys will be uh, looking to go to the Olympics. We talked about it on our content call this morning. If you just do a starting backward of Dame and Steph, that's already problematic for everybody in the world to contend because those are two of the greatest shooters. Well, one is the greatest shooter ever. And the other one, maybe, I don't know, top three. 
Um, and then if you Not go two, possibly right, and then if you go Tatum and Durant at your forward spots, like good luck again, right? And then whoever you put at center, LeBron, as you mentioned, who's our best center right now, or someone like Nick Claxton, or even if you bring Jaron Jackson Jr. back, you know, like you're, Wait, you're right, right. Go go on. So Jaron Jackson, <laughs> yeah, we we have a lot of centers, but I said on the show, yeah. I think on our call earlier, like I, I don't know why Joel Embiid can't play for us. Well, he I, could, I right? He can, right, right. And, I'm, and if, he, if he plays for us and not France, which he could play for France if he wants to. Why, why would he want to? Why would he want to back up Wembenyama or Rudy Gobert? Well, this is this is just my fever dream of seeing three seven footers on the court at the same time. <laughs> I'm just saying, if if to be fair and to be honest, I saw Joel Embiid play when he was 16, 17. He wasn't very good. His prospects were great. Mm-hmm. I texted Masai Ujiri asking if this is one of your guys when I first saw him in high school. But he, he was not a good player. Mm-hmm. Well, like he led Kansas to the national champ, no, like he did, he did right. at Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, in America, as a, as a as a collective, um, did a good job with mm-hmm. that current MVP that we have. One of the most skilled big men we've ever seen. May, maybe the most skilled big men. So skilled with that kind of size and athleticism. Mm-hmm. There's no one like him. Mm-hmm. And and that was through American high schools and American college for a year or two. One year. Uh yeah yeah a year at Kansas yeah I think so. And then and then in the NBA. Uh, all that's America. The yeah. fact that he was born somewhere else, fine. Right. But um, but our, our development system, as flawed as most other countries, right. has lots of success stories Correct. too. And Joel Embiid's one yeah. of them, no doubt. And right. well, so let's say Embiid doesn't play for Canada. I don't have my fever dream. That five, that starting five I just <laughs> mentioned, I mean, good luck beating that team. Like, it's right. just, it's problems right. everywhere you look. And but what I did see, though, David, is you made the point of, you know, those guys play with urgency every possession. And what that says is that when we construct a team, it used to be in the past, in the early 90s or whatever, when the talent gap was much wider, we could send any group of pros out in this in in tournament and they would wax the floor with anybody because the talent was so much better. But it isn't like that now because every no. other international team has at least one NBA rotation, sometimes two. Right. And guys who play in the Euro League who were excellent. Like so. And to David's point, they battle with their hair on fire because to them, when they're growing up in their equivalent of their driveway, it's I've got the ball with five seconds to beat Team USA. Right. Because we are the Goliath to them. Right. So that is the biggest thing for them to do. And there's a collective buy in. I mean, you saw it. Schroeder and Tice and Wagner, they wanted it. Like, I was like, damn, Dennis Schroeder, you'll play like that in the NBA all the time. Right, but it was it was a different thing. He really was was going for it, and I, I thought it was amazing to see. I also thought Serbia didn't have Jokic, didn't have who's the guy that won Euro League MVP. It's also on their team. Oh God, I can't think of his name, but he he didn't play either. So they had Bogdan Bogdanovic. That was it. And guess what? They were still awesome. Um, so again, kudos to all the teams that really took this seriously and fought well um, and and won medals. Uh, let's get to Team USA and, and Canada. Wow, what a game for the Canadians. Without Jamal Murray, by the way. Who, so as you said on the, on the call, David, you add Jamal Murray to this mix next year, Canada's got to feel like we got a legit shot of meddling at the Olympics next year for sure. Yeah, and that's a big deal for them. Uh, there's other Wiggins didn't play either. That's right. That's right. He, he's pretty good. Yeah, he, he'd be nice on that team. They have, they have some other Canadians too. Canada's got a lot of play. Canada's got the second most in, in the NBA yeah. after America. They, yeah. it, and it's it just is. Get more. They're loaded with talent. Yeah. I mean, they, I was very, very impressed. And look, we, we can't not talk about Shea Gilders Alexander and 
I mean, David said it, I think, three days in the tournament. Oh, is the best player in the tournament. And my God, like, he was electric. Uh, I think they did their, their version of, like, plus minus came out with the top players in the in the, in the the tournament, and it was SGA. I mean, he was just phenomenal. And look, we said it. OKC is fucking good. And if he's that kind of dude, like, we know he, he was already, he was top seven in EPM. If he's playing like that, he's an MVP candidate if Oklahoma City wins a ton of games. I think that, you know, we talk sometimes and we've talked about this on the show some who who can use this event to mm-hmm. kind of a springboard. Mm-hmm. And uh, you don't know until, until it happens. things happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but this is the Shea Gilgis that can take OKC to a playoff series and maybe mm-hmm. even a playoff series win. I don't know beyond that. They're young. It yeah, doesn't mean they don't have some deals to make mm-hmm. to get more veterans. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Team USA learned, young mm-hmm. teams – uh, are not easily banked on. Yep. And so OKC is a young team. So to bank on them beyond the first round, especially would be silly. But uh, I mean, he's that he's that kind of score. And I said this on our show last week, he had 10 rebounds in mm-hmm. the game we were talking about um, yeah, 31 and 10 or whatever. Uh, he's kind of finding ways to help uh, his team win beyond just scoring. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's David's thing. It's like, you know, how do you help us win the possession? Yeah. And yet scoring is one way to win a possession. But yeah. if you're rebounding, and you, I mean, he's just, he plays with a tempo, David. Like, you know, the, the greats, we always say, you can't rush them. They play at their speed. Like, he's like that. It's like, oh, Chase just kind of playing the game, like, at this pace he wants to play it. Pretty freaking amazing to watch. And, again, kudos to Canada. We'll talk about Dylan Brooks. Um, actually, now, we'll go that. I'll get back to Team USA in a minute. Uh-huh. So, Dylan Brooks did something he never did in an NBA game, which is go seven for eight from three. And, I mean, he was incredible. Scored 30-something points. And his usual dogged defense all over the place. He is someone who I think, given how the end of the season went, and we talked about this on our last show, with Memphis, where he kind of felt like, you guys blame me for everything that went wrong. When we know, and you and I think probably alike on this, David, that the John Moran thing, I think, was a bigger issue with what was going on with that team than any of Dylan Brooks stuff. But anyway, he felt like he was a scapegoat, right? They came out and said through, uh, through Shams, under no circumstances is he coming back. And that's like, that's a horrible, you know, most teams don't say that about a player. They just don't want him to come back, right? That I'm going for agency and he gets he signed somewhere. So I think he kind of was like, wow, that's how people feel about me. So this for him, I think, was such an amazing opportunity to get that bronze beat Team USA play so well. And I think Houston now, and Coach Udoka is going to have someone who's got a little fire in the belly to be like, no, people think I'm crap and I'm not good. I'll show you guys. Well, We've never questioned the fire in his belly. <laughs> um, the uh, we'll see when you when you are uh, excommunicated, as it were. Yes, like there's there's probably a reason for it. So let's just see. He, he certainly played great in his tournament, mm-hmm. and seven of eight from three is no joke. Yeah, almost no one ever does that. No, almost no yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, practice court, not in any game. Um, but. You know, Houston's going to lose a bunch of games this year. Of course, they're not Let's good. See, they, they've lost more. They'll lose more than he's lost the last few years in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Let's see how he handles that. Uh, you know how I say this all the time. Uh, everyone has the privilege of growing up. Mm-hmm. And he he learned, He he. I hope he learned some lessons mm-hmm. uh, about that. He still got paid mm-hmm. $20 million a year, I think. Yeah. Um, so he's doing fine mm-hmm. and great. And uh, all right, Dylan, mm-hmm. now, now what? Yeah, like this yeah. is the league. The league demands um, a a permanence 
to an adjustment that you might make mm-hmm. in behavior or whatever, or, or not. Mm-hmm. Maybe he says, nope, I'm, I'm who I am. And look, we just beat America. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. would be a mistake by For him. Sure. Mm-hmm. And that's on Houston and, and Coach Yudoka and the staff to, to make mm-hmm. sure Dylan moves towards the light, not the dark side in a sense of, uh, we don't want to be the second team right? to just basically say, you're gone. Right. Yeah. With it, Houston wants to pull out all the good things that happened for Team Canada. Right. This is, yeah, the good things, this is what we want because we think you can yeah. be that. He mentioned something in his post game uh, when he's asked about his shooting. And he's like, they have this, they have this Noah machine in, in Toronto, in, in the place where we practice. And it gives me numbers on my shooting arc. And it gave me a number. And I kept focusing on that number the whole time. And I know that the Noah shooting uh, system gives analytics on shot arc, distance, all these various things. And according to their website, 26 of the 30 teams in the NBA use or have, I mean, not say use, have the NOAA system. Because I do know there are plenty of NBA teams that have these fancy things that don't use them because they have no idea what they're doing. But that's a whole different conversation for a different day. Um, and four teams don't. So I'm assuming, since he was talking about NOAA so excitedly, that either Memphis doesn't have it and or doesn't use it. But anyway, David, can you talk to us a little bit about the NOAA shooting system? Yeah, I, I haven't talked to them in years, but um, the, the thing that I remember most when, I, when they called me years ago was it tracks your arc mm-hmm. and then the consistency of your arc. And that to me, that's a super valuable thing. I, I may have mentioned to you before, um, I've just watched so much, so right. many shots now. I know what, you know. what the arc I want. Mm-hmm. And in my gym, which I've been using for years, I can stand in a certain spot. A player could be the top of the key. I can measure it against the ceiling lights mm-hmm. and, so forth, and the lines that are there. And know where it's at too. If I was, but I still can see it myself. Um, just the arc itself. Uh, this is a challenge for players: is to get most guys don't shoot with enough arc. It's a fact. Or can, or, or is it or consistent arc? Is that it? Or is the arc consistent? No. Enough? Oh no. Yeah. Well, that's a whole separate thing. Okay. And you're exactly right. Okay. They don't shoot with enough arc. Period. Mm-hmm. And then those that actually do sometimes get the right arc don't do it consistently. Okay. And and this gives you feedback on that. So if you're paying attention. And you realize, oh, that shot was a little bit flat. I did this, this, or this. So my legs weren't into it. I didn't get my arm high enough. And they work towards that. And you get feedback on it, which mm-hmm. I always say, the more you shoot, the more feedback you're getting. These guys shooting 40% from three or 35% from three on 1.5 a game, I feel for them. Right. If they took three, four a game, they shoot better. Yeah. Whatever it is, they shoot better. Because you're getting at least some biofeedback from what's going on. Uh, I ask our players to be critical. Don't just be mindless shooters. Pay attention to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Think about what's happening here. And um, a, a machine can help you with that, especially if you're getting shots up on your own mm-hmm. and don't have a coach saying, hey, you're not, you're too flat. That's what I commonly will do is say a little f- too flat or that's perfect arc, perfect arc. Mm-hmm. I almost never say too much arc. In fact, I always start with young players making them shoot with too much arc. And I tell them, uh, I don't worry about making it. Let me see really high arc. 90% of the time, they put the right arc on it. Mm. They don't realize that how flat they are. Then I show them what a real moon ball looks like. Yeah, yeah. We don't want the moon ball. Right. And so it, it gives them an idea of what the extreme is, and that can settle back a little bit and get the right arc. But, yeah, it's a real challenge. And so for Dylan, I bet Houston buys one if they don't have one already. <laughs> right? And I looked it up. That shit is not expensive, guys. Like, these NBA teams can easily, I mean, again, the four teams that don't have it, I don't know why. Maybe they have something else working. Well, they might have something different, yeah. yeah. Um, is it, but why do, Why is it that players don't have enough arc when they shoot, David? Is it like a just a body thing and they just, or a perception thing? Why do players not shoot with enough it, arc? It, 
in fact, in my library behind me, I have a lot of basketball books in this particular library. Um, I have a book called The Physics of Basketball. I also have The Physics of Art. That's a much more complicated book. <laughs> um, uh, they don't shoot. They're not strong enough to shoot with art when they're younger. Mm. And they build that habit. They also don't value it enough. And that's something that coaches really need to do is, is hammer the idea of art. You want, to, you want to increase the angle of entry into the cylinder, right? Increase mm-hmm. the angle of entry, which means you have to increase the angle of departure off your finger pads. Mm-hmm. This is what I teach. And they just don't, they don't do it. They don't value it. Uh, Kawhi Leonard shoots the line drive and they, you know, who what? doesn't want to be Kawhi Leonard? Yeah. <laughs> if he had more arc, Kobe too. I've always contended they, those guys would be better shooters, Mark. It, it's literally science. Yeah. You, you have very little room for error mm-hmm. when you shoot a flatter shot. As that ball hits the rim, yeah. it's more likely going out. Correct. And so the ang- the increased angle of entry, I always tell players this, you have a better chance. If you're going to hit the rim, you have a better chance at the inside of the rim. Hitting the outside of the rim is much worse. Hitting the inside. So all that stuff matters. And um, I, I, I listen, we've been saying this for years and years. I didn't invent arc. Um, it is a problem we have with our players shoot too flat yeah. commonly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so interesting that you, when you, as you say that, because I'm right now imagining all the great shooters in the world, and my God, they have such tremendous arc, right? I'm thinking about Curry when he's shooting. I'm he's like, the best. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, that's got so yeah. much arc when he shoots the ball. Like, he's the best. He, I read an article once that said someone did the measurements and said he consistently has the highest arc in the league, and I just thought, duh, that's why he's the best shooter. <laughs> well, you know what's funny because we've all seen it, um, and we didn't plan on going here, but let's talk about it. Uh, we've seen the videos when he was a kid shooting on the rims and NBA rims because his dad played in the NBA. How much do you think that helped him, David? Because when you're so a small, lot. he had to throw it so because like, how's he going to get it up there? Right, like yeah, it's two things. It's that for sure. You have to get marks to get it over the contesting arm of the mm-hmm. guy, but it's also daddy. Right? Mm-hmm. I trust me. If you saw my son shoot in high school, you would laugh. <laughs> he shot. He shot with Steph Curry arc. Okay. It only looked silly because no one else. No had one else had that kind of arc. Yeah, right? or middle school mm-hmm. right. when you played middle school. And so I told you this probably before. I don't know if I ever did it on the podcast. So I used to look at Curry's shooting in his in the Chase Center, well, mm-hmm. and before that too, mm-hmm. wherever, they, wherever the name of that place Oracle, was. the old one. Oracle, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you could see him shoot, uh, and, and you could see the backdrop of the fans. There'd be a guy in a purple shirt, mm-hmm. like in the fifth row or seventh row. I think it was seventh row, whatever. And his ball would be at, at its highest arc where that purple shirt guy was. Mm-hmm. Then you would look at anyone else, and I would do this for players that I was helping from the exact same spot Curry was, mm-hmm. and he'd be two rows low. Oh, done. Yeah. Or one row low, mm-hmm. and he's just flatter. Right, same and the same size person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to factor all that in. Um, I think that uh, it, it just when you're young, if your dad's a shooting coach, <laughs> that you helps. Know, <laughs> you, you, you I, I, there's Chris Ballard. Chris Ballard mm-hmm. is a great writer, right? Mm-hmm. And he wrote a book years ago, and there was like twelve chapters covering different things. Well, one of the chapters was he spent a week with me. Henry was there in Bradenton at the, when I was doing work at IMG then, but they were hosting my workouts. Mm-hmm. And um, I think he even wrote this, if not in the book, in the article that he wrote, because there was an article to his Sports Illustrated back then. When I first met him uh, uh, on the court, I watched him shoot. He played college basketball. Mm-hmm. I watched him shoot. And I said, uh, your dad's a coach. He's like, how'd you know? I said, like, look at your shot. Yeah, like, yeah. You can tell. You can tell my son is a dad is a shooting coach. Yeah, it's just built perfectly. Steph Curry, same thing, right? <laughs> it's amazing. Like, no, watching these guys do that, it's I'm just I'm amazed. Um, 
all right, let's go back to uh, Team USA. Um, yeah. You know, and this is the internet, and don't take the internet seriously. But as David said, people on his page are like, want to jump off a ledge. Team USA is so bad. People were killing Kerr, killing Jalen Brunson as a pick, uh, killing Kerr for playing small. Why'd you bring Walker Kessler if he wasn't going to play any minutes? Um, and killing our guy, Jared Jackson Jr., for only averaging 2.8 rebounds. Um, and I thought, yes. And if you watch Memphis as much as we do, you know he doesn't rebound a ton. Um, I also thought part of it was defensive schemes, right? They were switching a lot. Well, if he's switching out to someone on the perimeter, how's he grabbing the rebound? If he's guarding a guard out there, right? And I just thought there were some challenges there, but he does need to be a better rebounder than he is for his size. Um, but that was a problem for Team USA. He well, he he is his own worst um, uh, ally on that because he has said we even talked about this on our show mm-hmm. that he's all about blocking shots. Mm-hmm. No, no one's going to tell me not to go after every shot. That's what Memphis wants. Mm-hmm. Well, think you know your your impulse defensively as a rebounder is to make contact, stay in between your man mm-hmm. and the rim, and then beat beat him to the ball. Yeah, pretty simply, right? You don't have to block out necessarily if you, if you're not going to be overpowered or out quick to the ball. As long as you're in between, if you're five feet to the right or left, and the ball goes the other side, you're in trouble. That's mm-hmm. why you said you want to be able to draw a line between your man, you, and the rim, straight mm-hmm. line. Okay, going through right through your chest. And but when you're up all the time trying to block that shot like a puppy, yeah, well, he's not always jumping like he used to. You're susceptible. Your your momentum's going the wrong way, mm-hmm. and you can't have both. Correct. You can't have both. You can block less shots mm-hmm. and grab more. Like blood. to contest more and rebound better. Or you keep playing the way you're playing. It's a choice he's going to have to make. Yeah. And, and that's why I think for Memphis, it's so important that he plays next to Steven Adams, right? Because Steven Adams takes care of the rebounding the rebounding piece of it. So I think that's something they're going to have to look at going forward. If they don't have an Adams-type guy or Team USA, if he's going to play the four, who's the five that's going to grab boards for you, right? Like that's something that teams need to figure out when they're constructing and when they're thinking about stuff going forward. But look. Team USA didn't win. They lost. It happens. Um, David's like, I don't care. Um, and it's not, and it isn't a big deal, guys. It doesn't mean like it's the end of the world. And as far as like, well, if we just bring our best guys, it's like, as David's at the start, like we don't like we shouldn't tell guys to play if they want to. Great. Um, I think you know they tried to do this with with uh, Coach K, and they did. Guys had to be part of the program. They called it for a, a, a few years, and it wasn't just a one commitment. You play one Olympics. It's no. It's one Olympic Games and another tournament in the non-Olympic years. Like, that was your commitment to play. So whether it was a world championship, now a World Cup, or an America's tournament, whatever it was. But they've decided that they are not getting the buy-in that way. And it's, it makes sense because the NBA season's long. And guys don't want to commit for, you know, two, three years out of their out of their summers. You know, they may want to do other, other things. But, again, I think if we have different players and if we take it seriously, which, as David said, we will have revenge on our mind coming in for Paris – that's that's the goal. But when you have no no urgency, right? Like these other these other teams, they love beating us is the highlight of their basketball lives. They love it. It isn't the same for us, right? And you can see it. So again, come Paris twenty twenty four, the team will look different, and they will have benches in their minds. Maybe that'll make them play better. We'll see. Yeah, I just you know, there's a lot of sky is falling stuff, um, <laughs> and I just don't see it that way. I, I, I'm happy to be critical. Wherever I need to be critical of player development, obviously I know a little something about that. You sure do. And um, I'm no bleeding heart patriot. I don't. Our country's got as many flaws as pretty much any country in history. We're we're um, you know we we have a great we we promote well, but I'm not sure we uh, we're worthy of the, the admiration that we give ourselves. I'm quite sure we're not. But um, <laughs> whatever. We lost 
you know, Lithuania probably beat us best of all. We lost in overtime. We lost to Germany by two. The other team has played great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, as I said to you off air, uh, we could come back. This team could come back and have a 10% higher chance to win. Mm-hmm. And they weren't far off this year because they'll all be more experienced. This is great. How old is Jaron Jackson Jr.? 22. Maybe, maybe, I thought maybe 23. 23. Yeah, he's young. Ant Edwards, like, we're oh, young. Yeah, Jaren, Jaren's 23. Yeah, these guys are yeah. babies. Come on. Tyrese is 23. <laughs> yep, yep. Like, what are we talking about here? Right, these are young it's, it's, We almost, most of these guys would be a year out of college. Yes. Like, let's oh, face God. it. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Most of these guys would be a year out of college. And, and some of them are like Walker Kessler, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, Bridge is a little bit older, obviously. Yeah, yeah. He was our best player, I thought. He, he was. Excellent. I, I, I just, I don't think the sky is falling. No. Um, we have a plethora of talent and plenty of coaches that know what they're doing and plenty that don't, mm-hmm. but we have plenty that do. And uh, it would not, I'd be surprised if, if America doesn't feel the better team and that team is going to play with an edge. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Steve Kerr will learn a little bit too. And I said this, the last thing I'll say is um, years ago, I told you guys off air earlier on our contact call that I got, I was on ESPN with mm-hmm. Stephen A. Smith <laughs> this subject of should we have an, a college coach running the team mm-hmm. whenever Coach K would step down. This was a long time. This was maybe a decade ago or so. And um, I argued that we should have a college coach as the head coach mm-hmm. with NBA assistants. That was my argument. I thought they're, they'll be fresher. They coach a lot less games. They have a long – these guys will start practice now in college, but they don't really start camp till October, mm-hmm. and they don't play until November. Yep. And they just will be fresher, and they're just motivating as part of what they do in the college game. The NBA has too many games to give rah-rah speeches much. Yeah. Not to say Steve Kerr can't do it. Right. Not to say it's not competitive. Uh, and I would like to see us have college coach again. But Steve Kerr now knows what he went through. I'm sure he'll mm-hmm. they'll do it. Um, the, the Grand Hill and those guys are involved behind the scenes. They're going to look back at everything. And I would think they'll give him criticism of, Steve, go ahead and coach these guys harder. Yeah, coach let's them let's, let's mm-hmm. motivate them more. Let's mm-hmm. we, we, we took too many possessions off. Mm-hmm. We, we were too casual too often. So let's use what happened last year as a, you know, all year long, send a text to KD, send a text mm-hmm. to Curry. Mm-hmm. When you see Wagner have a great game, hey, mm-hmm. that's who we're going to play again. Mm-hmm. You know, you're playing against these guys. Have, start building that a edge a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, yeah, that too. But the, just the idea that we're, we, we got embarrassed that you could argue that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's make up for it in Paris next year. Yeah. I like that. You know, you always say, players get so many reference points and feedbacks in games, right? Because shots are off, whatever, or defense yeah. possessions. Well, a GM, which is essentially what Crane is as the head of USA Basketball and, and Steve Kerr, they get reference points too, right? And so yeah. all of this is, is reference points for them now looking forward to say, okay, what do we need to do differently? I, I love the point about the college coach, and I think Kay was the right one because of who he is and what he accomplished. He was going to be able to walk in that room with a level of gravitas that guys would listen to him, right, because of who he is. Who do we think now is at the college level that if he walks into a room, guys in the NBA would be like, oh, no, this guy's legit. I'm, I'm listening to him. I mean, Bill Self, what he's done in mm-hmm. Kansas is, mm-hmm. is nothing short of extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Nate Oates runs a very NBA-style game in Alabama. Mm-hmm. I don't know that the players know him as well, but these, these are pretty young guys. They probably do to some degree. Um, Calipari probably has That's a right, Cal. Yeah, he's, yeah he's coached he's coached a lot of guys, but mm-hmm. I would probably start with um with Bill. Mm-hmm. It'd be, it'd be a, I don't think we're gonna do it. No, I, I thought it was a mistake using Pop. I thought it was a mistake using Kerr. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen A. didn't. 
Stephen A. thought we were smart to use pro guys. He thinks he yelled at me, which is what he always does, right? That's why screaming A. Smith. That's yeah, yeah. Yeah. When he when he oh, is that what they? That's funny. Of course. Yeah, yeah. I just thought that. Why are you yelling at me? (laughs) I literally had the thought of. I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. Um, We have a college coach right now. We're doing pretty good. Like, why am I an idiot for thinking we should keep doing the same thing? When you said, "Why are you yelling at me?" Everybody of of uh, it was a. It was a Vince Vaughn movie. Like, was it Wedding Crash? I was like, why are you yelling? This is very much just yeah. like, whoa, right, dude, right. like, where am I? <laughs> this this was before he was all that famous. I mean, he was doing Skip Bayless's show. But I wasn't on Skip Bayless. This was our own thing. Why are right. you yelling at me for arguing on behalf of something that's already working? That's working well. Whatever. Yes. The defense rests. I do think that we're better <laughs> off with uh, a college guy. And and someone that's recruited a lot of these players. So that's yeah. why I say a Bill mm-hmm. Self type. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Someone that's been doing this a long time, knows all these players really yep. well, um, would be very good. Rick Pitino 20 years ago would have been great. Yep. Not anymore. Yep. Billy Donovan, if he ever goes back to college, would be mm-hmm. great yep. for sure, makes which sense. is what I recommended back then. Mm-hmm. Billy was still in college then. Yep. That makes so, sense. So, yeah. Uh, the sky's not falling, America. We're ba- in terms of basketball, we're pretty good. <laughs> it's falling as it relates to climate change and other things, but you know we'll we'll deal with that. Yeah, right. right. We're burning volcanoes. All right, guys, uh, we'll be back after a quick commercial break. This episode of True Hoop is brought to you by BetterHelp. Hey, guys, Gerard from True Hoop here. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do? It's a hell of a question. Would you maybe go for a run, take a nap, read a book, or maybe show up for a friend? Now, depending on the day, any one of those would be a great idea. Most of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Now, I've been open in the past with you guys about this. I see a personal therapist as well as a couple therapist for my partner and I. And both are extremely helpful in developing positive coping skills and learning how to set boundaries. Therapy empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash TrueHoop today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash True Hoop. All right, David, NBA season will be here before you know it. Um, I started checking in with some of the guys. They're already back in town. They're, you know, getting ready. End of the month, they're going to really, in earnest, you know, start doing stuff. I mean, you know, secretly, you know, guys are, like, getting players together and they're having little, like, mini camps. It's already happening. One of, one of it that's already got out. Steph had a bunch of the guys already over doing a mini camp. Like, stuff's already percolating and happening. Everybody's getting getting juiced up before the uh, the beginning of training camp, which is always funny. I always say the first day of training camp when you go to do the media session, Dave, it's like the first day of school. Everybody's so happy. Everybody's happy to see each other. It's so wonderful. And that shit lasts, like, a week. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, man. Well, in most cases, the they've been seeing each other. Yeah, in most <laughs> cases, they've been seeing each other for weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, in most cases, they, they they've already been. I'm I'm privy to to, to you know lots of players yeah. and coaches, whatever. Uh, uh, there's there's lots of games going on right now in, mm-hmm. on practice centers and practice facilities, and um, with you know ninety percent of the of the players on the team there playing. Ready now to roll. there are some situations which I have to keep confidential, yep, of course, where a player who's being paid by another team is working, is working out with the NBA team <laughs> where he lives. <laughs> 
that's always weird to me. Uh, yeah, like well, that's, well, listen. I, I was watching <laughs> my players send me clips and sounds that they get yeah. from players from from their own teams, and I, of course, I would never put them on social right, media or whatever. But um, I remember seeing a player who's a very good starting player for a different team in a different conference, and I think uh, shoot, shooting's like a fingerprint for me because yeah. these cameras are way up in the yeah. sky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are the this is the bird's eye view. This mm-hmm. is not you know network right, TV view. Yeah. It's like huddle, like you just have a fixed camera somewhere. And, um, but I know everyone's shot typically. <laughs> so I see this dude shooting it, and uh, I thought, why is he? That's a weird gym. That's what so I, te- <laughs> I texted the player and said, like, is this guy here every day? And he said, yeah, he's here every day because he lives there. <laughs> yeah. But that, that'll change. I bet he gets, yeah. I bet this guy probably leaves this week to get his own. Well, stuff. a lot of it too is if, if guys have their families that like live in that city, it's like they, you exactly know, they, they want to stay with their fam for as long as they can until, all right, because when I go, yeah. I ain't going to see you that much. You know, that's because that's, right. that's life in the NBA. All right. Right. We're going to start doing our previews um, for the season coming up. We'll do a bunch of stuff. David will do his he'll do his over-under win thing at some point, right, when you guess the wins for each team schedules. Yeah, we got, we got, we got some time for that. <laughs> I, I'm not pushing on you to do it now, but that that is coming yeah. down the bike. That is coming down the bike. Every game. Yeah, <laughs> September the 11th. Yes. Gerard. Yeah. I know. Don't worry. We'll, 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 it, I'm just letting the fans know it's coming I down the bike. I feel pressure. I feel pressure. That's coming. <laughs> we'll guess like, you know, MVPs and all that kind of thing. But we're going to do a couple things on the pod, which is burning questions. One burning question each of us has for each team as they head into training camp. And we'll make it very easy. We'll start um, with one division in, in the conference. And we'll get through all 30 by the end of next week. So let's start. Atlantic Division, Eastern Conference. We'll go alphabetical order. First team up, the Brooklyn – or the Boston Celtics. Excuse me. Look at that. We messed up my alphabet. Boston Celtics. Uh, David, I'll let you ask your burning question first. Oh, I, I, I didn't realize that's what we were doing. Uh, I'm asking you the burning question? Yeah, you're asking me the burning question. Or you're just asking generally, what is your burning question yeah. for the Celtics? Yeah, it's my, my question more than anything is 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 KP. What kind of mm-hmm. – you know, how does he fit? Mm-hmm. They, they clearly took a chance mm-hmm. in moving Marcus Smart and getting KP. Grant Williams is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, on a team that lost in the finals, I thought they were the best team in the league that year mm-hmm. and then was upset last year and d- didn't have a great season with a new coach. And so that would be my big question is, you, you made a big, big if, – if this doesn't work out, there's some changes. If Brown or Tatum are gone, that kind of thing. Both are gone. I don't think both are gone, but I think KP is the question mark. I think everyone has that question. You see, guys, David and I have probably done, I don't know, at this point, 300 million shows well together. Well over 300. <laughs> right? So, well, we, so our brains are starting to think alike when it comes to basketball. My question was, how much are they going to miss Marcus Smart and Grant Williams? And I just – you know, look, Grant kind of thought of the rotation last year in the playoffs and for whatever reason. And we've talked about, like, he's a little bit of a different guy and that can kind of wear on a team and whatever. And I'm like, but look, Marcus Smart, that guy, like, all the intangibles and all the tangibles, right? I mean, this guy won Defensive Player of the Year two years ago. He was yeah. such an integral part of what that – and gave them such an identity um, in terms of on defense, on the defensive end. You know, are Tatum and Brown going to be able to, you know, be that – not only the voice of Oakley in the locker room. Sure, that's one thing. But on the court, right? Do the thing that gets everyone to, oh, no, look, Marcus is down on the ground. I'm diving on the ground, right? To matter and value each possession at the time when it comes to do that, which is winning time in the postseason. I mean, let's be, I mean, and maybe they thought it was time to move on from that, right? Because they were not good in the playoffs last year, David. Like, going down 0-3 to, uh, to Miami, it's like, what, what are you guys even doing? Like, they were just sleep. They should have lost to Philly. <laughs> I mean, really? 
Um, it was a miraculous that they, they won that series. Um, so maybe the the powers that be, Wick and everybody and 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 Brad thought, um, you know, if we change this stuff out, we'll be better. I don't know. Jury the jury's out. Obviously, we'll see what happens when the season starts. Yeah, I'll just add in two things. One is Derek White's maybe the most underrated player. Very in the good. League. And so, so he, it's his team now as a quarterback, not the best player. And then the other question is Joe Mazzula. You know, he, he, he you're not going to, you're not going to grow every, at some point you plateau as a coach, just like you do as a player. Th- that, that is not the case with him. He's in his second year now yeah. and his first real off season mm-hmm. where he gets to look back and see the mistakes he made, the things he did well, mm-hmm. what he wants to change. This is the year we get a, a real feel for who Joe's going to be. It's his team. Mm-hmm. And let's root, you know, I'm rooting for him. I, I root for everybody. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of pressure. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Do you imagine the end of the flame out season? Good God. Heads are going to roll in Boston. Yeah. All right. We're far away from that. All right. Next team up. Get my alphabet correct. The Brooklyn Nets. Um, my question is how good is Mikhail Bridges going to be in Brooklyn this year? Uh, uh, coming off of that World Cup. And what we saw second half of the season when he when he got well, not, not even second half the last third of the season because trade trade deadline is way way past the, the halfway mark he showed some amazing stuff now he got tons of reference points in the playoffs when he realized oh when you're the number one guy in the postseason yeah it's a little different because so you got to work on something slightly differently I'll be very curious to see what he's added to his game and his bag um, knowing that he's going to be the featured option in Brooklyn. Yeah, he was Team USA's best player, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if the metrics show, but I, watching all the games except the last ones, uh, last one, I, I thought he was their best player. Um, I was going to talk about Bridges, so I'll, I'll pivot a little bit. Uh, and and where is the franchise going? Mm-hmm. What are they going to do? Mm-hmm. What are they going to do? They, they have an interesting team, I think. Mm-hmm. I like Claxton at center. Claxton's they have a lot good. of good wings and guards. Um, uh, uh, some good guards, but a lot of good wings. And so you you could sell these pieces for lots of future assets and, mm-hmm. and, and young players, or you could try to maybe trade a couple guys, won't be so easy, and get back another player to play at Bridges. I don't think that's less likely. Uh, or you can just kind of stay the course and see what happens, which right. is what I think will probably be the case. Is mm-hmm. See how the season goes. Are you around 500 or so? Mm-hmm. And then and then make a decision. But I, yeah. I do – I do think there is an argument that this this team doesn't win a lot of games at the end of the year that could be on fair. purpose. Yeah, that could be fair. Yeah, yeah. They have some guys moved out, and they're they're going to build for the future. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely fair. All right, New York Knicks, David, you're up. What's your burning question for the New York Knicks? Uh, who's RJ Barrett? Yeah, yeah. Who's RJ Barrett? Who who is he? Is he uh, a 38-plus percent three-point shooter? Because right now the answer is no. Yeah. Is he a consistent score? Right now the answer is no. Efficiently, I should say. Mm-hmm. Efficient score. Mm-hmm. What does he do defensively? Is he a top three guy on a team like he's being paid to be? Yeah. Or is he just a, a nice role player? To maybe maybe at some point he's a six-man scorer off the bench. Yeah. Not even the best scorer. Uh, we, we don't know. We yeah. don't know. But right now he's overpaid. Yeah, I, I think he's he, young. He's very young. He is young. He hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know, with RJ and you know, we talked about because I, I like I like the kid. He's a very nice kid, and like I want yeah, good, I love things, him. Love good, him. good things to happen for him. I just maybe they overvalued him at that third pick. It's just because at this stage he is not performing like a number three draft pick. Now again, he's young, could develop, but the shooting isn't there. Aside from that one season, which now looks like a blip. You know that because it hasn't been continued. Um, he had some moments for Team Canada at, at uh, during the FIBA World Cup. So, again, maybe he's able to, to catapult that and bring some success with himself to to the Knicks. He doesn't finish well at the rim still for a guy as 
big as he is. Yeah, I, I, I'm concerned about, about R.J. Barrett. Uh, my question for the Knicks is, you've been run competently for the last few seasons since uh, William Wesley and Leon Rose are there. What's the, what's the move? What is the move that, that, that you're planning here? Because you, you got nice pieces. We love Jalen Brunson. We love a lot quickly. Grimes. Mitchell Robinson's excellent defensive lead center. We like a lot of the stuff you guys. Julius Randle made another All-NBA team. But what's the move? What, are you going to try to figure out a way to get somebody in? Your cap sheet is excellent. You got draft picks. Are you thinking about making a move? And what is the move to get you guys up to that status where you're contending? They made the playoffs last year and won a series, you know, but what's the next thing? Well, they could, if they can get Mikhail Bridges and place RJ Barrett, they're cooking. Yeah. I don't know why Brooklyn would want right. I mean, RJ Barrett. Uh, correct. <laughs> correct. Yeah. yeah. But you're right. That, it, that would be, I mean, he's just much younger. He's three years younger or so. Wait, yeah, wait, bridges David. with uh, Jalen. You bring you, you bring Mick, Mikhail Bridges because you have Villanova reunited all over again. All the guys back Josh together. <laughs> the, the band is back together. And then and then, and then you hire Jay Wright. Correct. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm laughing. Steel Phillies Thunder right from him. <laughs> I'm laughing. Team Philly. But guys, Dave is not laughing. Which so if that happens, remember what you heard it here first. <laughs> I mean, it's a no brainer. I, I, I'm with you. All right, uh, Philadelphia 76ers. Um, I'm going to stay away from the James Harden stuff. My question is, what would a Tyrese Maxey-centric 76ers look like? Assuming that Harden goes and he gets, Daryl gets what he wants, which is a young player like a Terrence Mann uh, next to him, which would be good because he plays defense, all that. And let's assume Joel Embiid gets annoyed and wants out. What would a Terrence, well, Terrence Mann, what would a Tyrese Maxey led Sixers team look like with wings who can shoot and defend and a rim running center might be exciting might be something to think about hmm. in a year maybe yeah if things melt down but for this year's team they're they're very talented they're they good. need a hardened replacement and so what's that deal you know I wrote you know two weeks ago training for Drew Holiday I'm not saying the Bucks will do it Correct. because Drew, although James might be willing to say you know I'll play with Giannis for a year I don't know yeah, yeah. um uh, but yeah, to me, all pressures on Daryl replacing James so that uh, whether Embiid's in his last season in Philly or not, mm-hmm. uh, you, you want to go out with a bang and mm-hmm. you have enough talent there to do that. Um, with a new coaching staff, it, it, I, I'm not happy how Nick Nurse think anything's in Toronto, but his players liked him fine. So, um, yeah, you, you, you can't just punch us yet. You got to find a way to replace James. Yo, I, I'm with you 100%. And I, the question is, is so, you know, we talked about it last week, the thing about that Belichick does in the NFL, which is he's like, I always get off a player a year early, right? Because if I wait too long, value sunk, right? In many ways, not in every way, you're not going to get back equal value for James Harden, right? That's just not feasible now. But what can Daryl get back for James Harden? Because right? you know, he's very specific about what he wants and what team is willing to give him all of those things for, for James Harden at this stage. Is it going to be a contender who gets desperate later, you know, as the year goes on? It's like, no, nah, you know, we get Harden, Adam here, we're fine, we can stabilize, whatever. I mean, because that's the only thing I see, because a young team, why is a young team going to bring in James Harden? He doesn't help. So it's got to be a team that's contending already or a team that's like, you know, playoff level, but not really a contender, but maybe can get themselves up into, they think, can convince themselves, if we add James, we can we can move up a little bit higher in the in the playoff race. But that's really it, right? So your your teams are limited with who will actually want him. So this will be very interesting to see how it plays out in Philly. 
Um, Toronto Raptors, last team in the division. Um, I'll let you go first on that one, David. I may have a couple uh, burning <laughs> questions. The first, the first one is, you know, what's what's the story with Scotty? Is he going to be a one? Is he going to be multi you know, multi dimensional as a positionless a positionless guy? Um, and then, what kind of progress does he make with it? He this is year three. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he flatlined last year. I, I did not see any joy in LA with him. That doesn't mean he won't have it. Um, but I, I feel like he's a transformational talent that has went from overachieving a little bit to underachieving in say year two, not abnormal in the NBA. And, and so what are you going to do? New coach, you know, Darko's the new coach from Memphis. Mm-hmm. What are you, what are they going to do collectively individually to help him become their second best player behind an all NBA level player in Siakam? Mm-hmm. Uh, my, I, I'm, I'm with you right there. My question is kind of similar in terms of what are we doing in Toronto? Like what, what's the plan? Uh, Siakam is on the last year of his deal, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah he's in a final year. Um, and then we know OG wants out. Um, new coach in Darko, who I love well, in Memphis. We're going to miss him in Memphis. Uh, but let's talk about OG. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if, if you, when you say he wants out, I'm not arguing mm-hmm. with you. We've heard that too. But the head coach has been kicked out instead. Correct. So maybe he wants to be cool with Darko. You're, you're, in Siakam, you have all, an all-NBA level player. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's won mm-hmm. two the last, earned it two last four years. Had the same season last year as did the year before, despite a terrible team. Mm-hmm. And yet, that's always a good sign. When you can manage to stay afloat when the team, the team is sinking, yes, that's good. It's yeah. a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, super selfless guy. Mm-hmm. Always, he could score 25, 30 a night easily in mm-hmm. his league. And But he plays the right way. Mm-hmm. So, OG, like, there's no way you don't like playing with Pascal Siakam. Yep. Scotty Barnes may have some issues in terms of is he, does he think he's better than what he is after what he went mm-hmm. through as a rookie? Maybe so, but he's not a selfish player. Right. Like if you're OG and I can play with Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam, like and and C- I think Siakam's 28 or 29, but he looks like he's 25. <laughs> this is not a guy that played his whole life in right, AU. Right. Like he he is he is going to be like the old school guy. That he, I think where at 34 you're gonna be thinking he looks like he's 28 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just a, he's just built differently. And I haven't been on the court with him before. He moves like he's a kid. He's just mm-hmm. so agile for a guy six foot ten. So if you're OG, I think you can rally him up. Okay. I like that. And get, I don't know if he's good enough to be a top three player just like Scotty. If both of those guys step up, mm-hmm. and now you've got the, the best trio of wings For in the sure. league that can play because Siakam can play point guard. Correct. Yeah, averaged over five assists a game last year. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I'm right when I say that. Almost six a game. Like, dude, you you now you and you got Pearl. Yeah, stay. Yeah, now you stay. They're yeah. starting their starting five was good last year. Yes, yes. With Gary Trent Jr. too. Mm-hmm. Um, who probably because of the bench this year, their bench sucked. Well, it shouldn't suck this year. That's on management. That's on coaching. They they should be – They losing Fred is a big deal. Yes, for sure. Because that goes to my question of Scotty. Is he, is he a point guard? Otherwise, you have no point guard. Malachi Flynn maybe works out, but probably not as probably a starter. Not. No. Siakam Barnes can probably handle it just fine. They're mm-hmm. super talented that way. But we have some questions. But yeah. still, there's a glimmer of hope there. that they. I think they could be one of the surprise teams. I included them in my list of potential uh, playoff teams. Well, we said it, right? When they collected, like, you guys got a bunch of just six. I mean, you know, Masai loves six, eight, six, nine, rangy, wing, two-way guys. They got a plethora of them. And if you're going to play in the Eastern Conference, you need to throw somebody at Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, right? And Giannis always on a regular basis. So I love what they have. I guess the the Darko hire probably tells me that that they're committed to something, (laughs) what that thing is. I don't know. Uh, but we'll see. No, but I'm with you, David. Like I, I if OG can kind of get rallied, and maybe Nick Nurse was the problem. Maybe Darko reaches him in a different way, and he's ready to roll. 
And it's a big if because mm-hmm. Toronto as a franchise has has really slid since the 2019 championship. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. As a franchise. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, when you lose your head coach after winning a championship and it looked like he was the guy, mm-hmm. that's not just on Nick Nurse. It's on the franchise too. Uh, they they You went to the season last year without a point guard besides Fred, mm-hmm. who's not really a point guard. He's just a little guy that dribbles the ball a lot. And, and that's fine. You can win with guys like that for sure, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, th- there are some glaring holes there that need to be addressed. And and so there's questions now in the circles, the NBA circles, about management, about mm-hmm. Masai, about ownership, what's really going on. Uh, that's a lot of pressure on the players. A new coach that could work out really well. Um, the, the players have to r- recognize where they failed as a, as a collective unit. And I think they can be a surprise team. Uh, I, I'm with you. Who, who's the, who owns the Raptors? What's the Raptors' ownership situation? They, they have uh, – I, I, I don't know if the teachers' union sold – they used to be owned by the teachers' union, which is like the richest owner in sports. Yeah. But I think they sold. So they've got a couple guys that, oh, that kind they, of run the Oh, they're team Maple now. Leaf Sports Entertainment. That's right. So it's like Rogers Communications yeah. owns like 37%. It's like it's weird like, okay, I get it. I get it. But there's a couple guys, and we just have real questions as to what's going to happen from that side. Where, you know, how, how have you not extended Siakam? Mm-hmm. You got to extend him and then you have the asset. Right, right. They haven't done that. Maybe they will. They have, I think, all season to do it. If they if they don't do it and he's an all-NBA player, yeah. you got to pay him a whole bunch of money. Right, yeah. And yeah. so th- this is where management's kind of, we're not really sure what they're doing. Masai, mm-hmm. I, when I was in LA, he was never there. Mm-hmm. I did get nice, a bunch of photos from Africa. He does the Giants mm-hmm. down there, the Giants program and all of that. Uh, he's doing a lot of things. But right now, the Mavericks, I mean, sorry, the Raptors need some help. And everyone needs to be rowing in the same direction to fix it. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Yes, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, We will continue on with this series uh, later in the week. We'll move to the Central Division in the East. Uh, Before we wrap, a quick U.S. Open uh, congratulations to our singles champions. Uh, Novak Djokovic won the men's championship for his 24th Grand Slam title. Uh, He beat Daniil Medvedev in straight sets. And on Saturday, Coco Gauff won her first U.S. Open title. Came back from uh, losing the first set to win the last two. It was uh, an uh, amazing performance. Um, you know, David's buddy, he always talks about, he watches the trophy presentation and celebrations for sports and like he always cries like a baby and I'm always like, oh, here we go. But you know, David, I had a moment, no tears came, but it was getting close, particularly when she she won. She kind of fell to the ground. She's like, oh my God. And she's like happy and smiling. And then as the smile, then all the waterworks came out at that moment. And it's just, you really, and as a coach, I know you know this, and I do as well, when an athlete has trained and worked so hard to achieve a thing, and they achieve the thing, right? It's just, it, it's just this release of all these emotions. Yes, happiness for sure, but the days leading up to went, as David loves to say, ain't all puppy dogs and ice cream, right? There's so much failure baked into sport. It's just, it's just everywhere. And you fail so many times before you succeed. And so to see her succeed in that moment, as soon as she got into the stands, her dad was the first person she found huge hug. And her mom came to three of them. Just again, the journey they've been on. And it seems like, Oh my God, so long. She's 19. It's not like she's old, but she burst onto the scene when she was 15. And, you know, people placed as people often do unfair expectations, but her trajectory was her trajectory and her timeline. And, you know, as someone in player development, development is not linear. It moves at the pace it moves at. And, I was very happy for her and, you know, she's going to be, she is already is a superstar and she's going to be a contender in many more majors to come. Yeah. The other thing I'll add is, uh, uh, because I didn't see her in that yesterday, but um, uh, that show quarterback uh, really showed 
Patrick Mahomes' workout routines uh, in addition to football. Mm-hmm. So separate from football. Right. Yeah, just the workout. The stuff he had to do for his body. It's mm-hmm. no different for tennis players. Mm-hmm. They're, they're doing different things, right. but it's not just two hours of hitting and then right. go hang. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a regiment there. There's a routine, and it's freaking hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, what the what these athletes can do in the heat, Amazing. you know, um, did, does Jokic not sweat? <laughs> because some of these guys, it's just dripping. It's like a Bruce Springsteen kind of just dripping off their clothes. I don't see it coming from them. It's weird that way. I, I, having coached as long as I have, everyone sweats differently. Some people sweat right. a ton. Just sweaters, yeah. I grew up, yeah. Yeah, I grew up with a guy who he sweated through his shoes. Literally would pop out his, <laughs> his the eye holes of his shoes. Um, and, and his whole body too. Uh, but yeah, yeah. This, this to be the best at something, a, a big event. You know, there's no... There's no major like the U.S. Open. I know they say Wimbledon, but Wimbledon ain't New York. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe once. Maybe once, but U.S. Open, it's they a, play at yeah. night. Yep. The biggest That's crowd. Big the biggest crowd in all of sport. And the top, oh, really? Yeah, in all of tennis. That is the Arthur Ashe, the biggest stadium. It's a 20-something thousand was it, were in there. And the thing about it is when you are playing an American at the U.S. Open, like a final, like Sabalenka was, you're not just playing her. You're playing the crowd, too. Oh, and yeah. that is... Again, as I say, in individual sports, you got no teammates to help you, no coach to call a timeout. It's just you. And that's I, a lot. I would add that uh, I'm done with the silent stuff. Done. Oh, like being quiet before they serve and stuff like yeah. that, you mean? Done. Okay. okay. Yeah. You're, you're, wait, wait, yeah, this ain't golf. Golf is way different. <laughs> golf is not a movement sport. Um, I'm sorry. You, you can you – can, the, 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 the yelling isn't changing the flight of the ball as you toss it up, right? It's not having impact. Deal with it. So I love I, it. I, this quiet please drives me crazy. I don't understand. I, I, I don't understand. They don't do it for Davis Cup. No, you know, we, 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 we talked about it uh, a little bit you know, on our content call this morning that, you know, tennis has its roots in these, you know, country clubs, yeah. elite establishments and all yeah. these ridiculous that. rules and done you know, with that. And, and the U.S. Open, as you, if you've ever been, anyone knows, I've seen it on TV, that crowd, uh, as Francis D. Alpha called them, they're honey deuced out by the time they get in, right, which is a signature drink. So they're already liquored up and, and fired up, ready to roll. I, I would <laughs> never be able to go to one because I have to talk. And I have a loud voice. Oh, you can hey, you can talk. They don't, you're getting. I mean, people are talking before the. It's yeah. You're yeah. yeah. So while, while someone's tossing oh, up, yeah. people are talking. You can, you can hear people talking right. Yeah, people are talking all the time. Yeah, they don't want you yelling and chanting uh, while they right. But that, <laughs> I wouldn't be doing that. But uh, but I think you should be able to be way better. <laughs> way way better. better. Wouldn't it be great? <laughs> It'd be something. Way that's better. for sure. They're doing basketball. We can do it. Think about all the shit you hear in basketball. Oh man, it's yeah. I mean, people are so ruthless with this stuff, man. I'm like, guys, you, just, you know, the idea, well, whatever. Paying money to go heckle somebody at work, I'm like, what, really? This yeah, is, I agree with that. Yeah. That's just silly to just me. Cheer. Yeah, right, cheer or just, boo, whatever. I don't care, but like, you know, but yeah. heckling people and getting personal, like, yeah, all right, That's whatever. Stupid. I never, I never did that. Well, yeah. let's see, you know, certain people, right? Anyway, uh, that is our show. We will see you guys on Thursday. Take care.